0: Hi, I'm Dave Ferguson, pastor of the College Dale Church here on the campus of Southern Adventist University. Welcome to our podcast. We're going to explore today some of the relevant words of Jesus Christ in scripture, to my life, to your life. So enjoy the message. morning. Happy Sabbath to you. Welcome to all of our family, our friends, our visitors, guests. We are glad that you are here. Thank you to the Oak Bow Concert Band. How wonderful. We are delighted that you are here. Thank you for helping lead today, happy Sabbath. And if you just look up front here, maybe you aren't uh, regularly here, so you don't even quite realize, but there's a bit going on, not just our musicians, myself in this moment. You might notice the tables to the sides, and I would point out uh, that last night we had our yearly Reflections Vespers. It's the time of year when we come together and celebrate the lives of individuals that we have lost in our families, in our community, and so this table at the front to your left are church family members of ours, and to the right, some of the, f- the extended family members of ours, and we realize it's not everyone, but as we, as we celebrate their lives, um, just thought I would point that out. As well, at the end of our service, some of you, as you came as a guest, might have kind of noticed every once in a while somebody walked past you with things like gifts and packages and things in their hands and wonder what in the world is going on? Well, We are delighted that this particular Sabbath, we are collecting what we call gifts for Jesus, our partnership with the Samaritan Center, we celebrate. So at the very end of this service, there's going to be a moment where Tony comes up, our our Samaritan Center director, and is going to share with us and invite us to bring those gifts. Of course, if you have a monetary gift, that can be given as well, but our gifts for Jesus going to the Samaritan Center as we in the fullness of our hearts care for those in our community that have less than we do. So those things are all happening. Next Sabbath, by the way, we are gonna be having our typical Christmas Eve service. Uniquely, Christmas Eve is on Sabbath, so what we've decided to do for our community, we will have an adoration service, but it'll be a little bit shortened because at our 11:45 renewal service, we will be having our Christmas Eve service. Invite your families and friends. It's everything that you would expect normally would happen at our Christmas Eve service. So children singing, families praising, all sorts of wonderful, Christmas events, but today we conclude our journey through the book of Revelation. Not that we've really exhausted it, but we are now transitioning. So today is our final Rescuer Series uh, service wish list as we uh, consider who God is. Let me ask you this question: Anybody, by a raise of hand, been asked to contribute? your wish list to some questioner. Somebody say, what is on your wish list? How many of you, by raise of hand, have had that happen to you? I'm going to, not many. Wow, so sorry, I was asked. Um, Maybe, maybe. This is Christmas this week, right? Okay, how many of you have children in your your household that do not need to be invited to to tell you what's on their wish list? They just are gonna share that. It's a little challenging sometimes as an adult to come up with what's on our wish list, but it might surprise you as we get into this final look in the book of Revelation that we would be celebrating Christmas in Revelation. Uh, If you were... Uh, lost at sea, in the middle of the ocean, didn't know where to go. Maybe you're on, Dolly, just a tiny, flimsy raft. And you, I mean, it seems all is lost. You're never going to make it. And about this time, you see a dorsal fin begin to circle. I will say to you, and we talked about it as we launched into this series, that there are many believers in Jesus Christ who look at the book of Revelation like a dorsal fin in the midst of some challenging waters. Not good news much at all. There are reformers and church leaders of our past who have recommended that the book of Revelation not be included in the Bible. Because who would include a shark right there to conclude? I don't know, as it swims closer, what if that dorsal fin isn't a shark at all? What if it's a dolphin and we've misidentified it? And in fact, a dolphin which is playful, a dolphin that would lead us to shore. Such a book. We find the rescuer and today, wish list. I would like to invite you, as we just calibrate for a moment, to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Find it if you can. We'll also show the verse on screen. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. There is a verse... You may have heard before, we're gonna highlight it for this moment, Ecclesiastes chapter three verse 11 begins this way, already talking from the perspective of God. God has made everything beautiful in its time. The fin is definitely not a shark. Even if in this time things are rough and things are difficult and we are in the need, we are in the midst of needing a rescuer, It's beautiful in its time. And then this sentiment, he, God, has also set eternity in the hearts of men. Every believer, every non-believer, God has wired in us a calling to eternity that I'm gonna suggest to you, every even semi-appropriate response to the question, what's on your wish list? If you were to analyze it, if you were to pull it apart, if you take a look at it, comes from an impulse that God has set in our hearts. We can't escape him. You can say he doesn't exist, but even the pathways of your wish list are a call from God. I believe Revelation to be a story of the rescuer attempting to reclaim the eternity he has set on your heart. That the book of Revelation is a story of restoration and could it even be that Revelation is a story of Christmas? We don't often tell it that way or think of it this way, that's what we're going to do just a little bit today as we spend time in scripture. I want to suggest to you that the little babe lying in a manger is the starting gun of a story. It's the beginning of a story of Christmas. But that the story doesn't come anywhere near conclusion. That the carols we sing that the lights we light, that the packages we give, all of it points to a conclusion where what's truly in my heart that I wish for, what you wish for, is everything that we wish for. Truly, the eternity God has set on our hearts is granted, fulfilled in Revelation. Uh, Let's get into it with prayer. Lord God, bless us as we dig around this celebration of Christmas time, this celebration of your word. We think of the little baby lying in a manger, but the grown up human being that would walk his way to the cross who would ascend to heaven and is right now working to rescue us. Joy to the world. Glory be to God in the highest. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Be with us through your spirit. In Jesus we ask, amen, and amen. So this idea of eternity being set in our hearts, I I was thinking a little bit about the kinds of things that might show up on a child's wish list. Uh, One of the things could be, and we're just gonna grab some random items, some stuffed animals, Uh, How many of you had a favorite stuffed animal, or do currently? (laughs) My grandmother, I remember, had a favorite little stuffed animal that she would sit with as as probably the faculties of her mind departed little bit by little bit. There's something in the heart of a child loves stuffed animals, loves to snuggle, loves things that are soft. Oh, we could dig in all of these places and ask, where does that come from? Could it be it comes from the fingerprint of God putting eternity in our heart? You ask a child what you're looking for to in heaven, they're going to tell you about their stuffed animals coming to life. They might not say it that way, but they want to ride a lion, They they want to have a tea party where all of these creatures could sit. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that indeed it is just such a place. That God is rescuing us too, where the wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together and the little child will arrange the tea party. Oh, to have that kind of harmony where everything that we look at that we feel like could be cuddly but is not. would be the adventure of the child's mind. How about that, anybody here uh, love Legos? I still do. It's one of my favorite excuses, having children that want Legos. they are gotten older now, and so I thank you for your children too. (laughs) Nothing so fun on a Sabbath afternoon is to lie on the floor with a big pile of Legos and decide you're building Bible stories or you're creating out of your mind this sense of adventure and making things. You know it is in the heart of God, he said. The creator who in the beginning said let it be. Let me have. I would like to create and then I would like to create you in my image with the impress of eternity that you would want to create too. Embedded in the human experience is creativity. So that when he in Revelation 21 says behold I make all things new God is expressing some of that exact same joy that comes out of a child with a new unbuilt package of Legos. Or how about this one? (laughs) A child's makeup kit. Often The way this starts is not because they have some child's makeup kit, but they got a hold of a purse somewhere. And the walls may be made up as well. I was thinking about this as I was reading Revelation chapter 21 and this central notion. Why do we want even to look good? Is that an evil sentiment? I tell you no. By the way, where our problems really arise is when we turn the thing that could lead us to or is a gift from God. You know, the Bible says that every good thing in your life is a gift from the Father of lights. The problem comes when we turn the gift into our God. I saw quite a number of Christmas dresses for children's story. Our desire for beauty comes from the one who says, I'm making everything beautiful in its time. You too. In fact, there in the book of Revelation, in the 21st chapter, speaking of all of us and this holy city, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And in the 19th chapter, the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. We could talk about it from the inception of sin when Adam and Eve feel like there's something about their look that is now shameful and hide from God. We could adventure our way through Song of Solomon if you had the willpower to a metaphor about the beauty God sees in you and our desire to be beautiful to him, our struggle with shame. We could go on. We could talk about a a desire to have a musical instrument for Christmas. We could talk about even a Switch. Uh, Some of you know what I'm talking about, a computer game and the impulse of why We might be interested in that or a dress that, just twirls perfectly. We can talk about all those things and I'm gonna to suggest to you, we could look at the evidence of the eternity God has placed on our heart. I encourage you to do it. If somebody has asked you for an item on your wish list, think back about it and ask yourself, what is it that comes from God that even makes me want that? I, uh, we're gonna be spending Christmas uh, with family, some of which we don't even know because of some new relationships. So there's going to be a gift exchange and uh, we had to enter, because we don't even know each other, so we had to enter some of our wish list items uh, within a certain price range and wouldn't you know it, I drew a name of a person I've never met. Thank goodness they put a wish list item there. I'll tell you what it is because I don't think they're listening right now. It's uh, this gentleman put on his wish list uh, a retractable, a mountable, retractable air hose. You know, you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about, don't you, Franklin? Where you can pull an air hose out of a spooled spot so that you can then put, use it around your garage or shop, and then you kind of give it a little tug and it retracts back in like a vacuum cleaner cord, right? Why would he want that? What is it that God might be doing in his, what, what is the eternity God has written on his heart that makes him want to be able to fix things? To have things work well, to be organized, and have a proper place from the one who said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Yeah, I'll tell you what I put on, because I, I'm, I'm, I got a note that said, hey, everybody has put things into their wish list but you. And I'm not, I don't, I don't like doing it, just if I'm honest with you. But what if somebody who doesn't even know me got my, and next thing I know, I've got a three arm sweater, or I don't know what it is that's gonna happen next. So I went online, I just, so here's what I thought of, because it fit the kind of the price category. Uh, <laughs> what I thought, of, I, I've recently, because of my son in law, become interested in Formula One. And in Formula 1, the very first time I watched anything having to do with Formula 1, I decided to pick a team that I was going to start rooting for. And I've rooted for them ever since. What was it based on? Not much except there was a rookie driver at the time who did kind of decently well, and I like, I like rooting for underdogs too, so McLaren, for anybody who is interested in knowing. Lando Norris, if you really go deep. And so I put a, a, a McLaren shirt or a hat or a couple of other things. I think to myself, what is it about what God has written on my heart, the eternity God has written on my heart that would cause me to have that kind of impulse. I I wonder if it is, I just so love belonging to a team, to being part of something that's worthy. I want to suggest to you That God has written himself even into the desires of your heart. Go back and look. When you open this next weekend, when you open a Christmas gift from somebody and it fills you with delight, ask yourself, what fingerprint of God is connected to that? Because if you look, and if you listen, hopefully nobody needs a new trumpet. If you look, That looks more like a baritone mouthpiece. (laughs) If you look inside your heart, God says you will find I have written there. I don't care if you're here just because the children are, your child is playing and you don't believe in God at all. Maybe you've never even told anybody, but you've just been faking it. You just have a good tie and a Sabbath suit, and so you're here. I'm telling you, God has written on your heart. Your desire to be here Even if you don't desire to be here for him and you only are here for them, God wrote that on your heart. So when you open up gifts or you give one away, I encourage you to think about the psalmist's notion, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I'd like to take a little bit of a turn. It's connected and it's associated, but here's how we're gonna spend the remainder of this time in the book of Revelation. We're gonna drill down into one thing I think we love about Christmas. How many of you, um, is there anybody here? Bob, you, you shared, you don't have a Christmas tree up. Do you have any decorations for Christmas up at all? Yes, yes. okay. Go ahead. If, if there is someone here who has not, in, 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 around, on your home, not a single Christmas decoration is currently to be found, go ahead, raise your hand so we can pray for you. There's one right back there. I suckered you a little bit there, sorry. Proudly, in the, but in the back row, <laughs> um, ah. I like subtlety. I'll just be honest. I, I like the single candle in the window, but they're in all the windows. I like some of my neighbors would know. I like a few. I like a little bit of garland, a wreath, and some white lights. And I'm not. I'm not this guy. To just be honest, <laughs> you know, where you know if you ever needed cheese, kind of sliced, you could just go to their, their electric meter and just. <laughs> I will tell you though I like neighbors who own horses. I love it when neighbors do this stuff a few doors down. (laughs) Do you like driving, do you ever drive through neighborhoods? I remember when my kids were really small, we'd just get in the car and drive through neighborhoods and I'd try to guess where the lights would be most brilliant and bright. Some of us will actually take specific trips to go see the lights at Christmas, right? It could be Rockefeller Plaza or anybody been to the Biltmore over Christmas. Very kind of elegant and stately and then in each room it will be decked out in very beautiful ways. I gotta tell you, when I first began dating my wife, you know, just in in terms of stating that correctly, she was not my wife at the time. It was a Christmas started dating and I invited her to come to my house so my parents could meet her and she boldly said yes. And one of the things I chose to do, for anybody who's familiar with the Philadelphia area in Pennsylvania, is I took her to Longwood Gardens. Now, Longwood Gardens is a beautiful, expansive place and at Christmas, they do it up. And so, there's lots to see, it's cool temperatures, hand-holding could happen. But there are indoor areas and outdoor as well and there are lights all over the place and it is just beautiful. And this reminds me, by the way, the God who wrote eternity on our hearts, I believe has written something there about light. So that when the lights twinkle on your tree, it resonates deep in the heart that came from God. You know, in the beginning, the same writer who wrote the book of Revelation will write, in the beginning was the word, and in him was life, and that life was the light of men. You recall, this is how it all starts, in the beginning God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that light was good. I think it's fascinating light we feel it in our very the heart that god has written on i take it take you to John chapter eight, it's a fascinating little passage, and just as we get into John chapter eight for a moment, again, this is the same writer as the book of Revelation, he will tell a story, a series of them, but it starts in chapter seven of the book of Revelation with the Feast of Tabernacles, there's an interchange between Jesus and his family members, and Jesus ends up showing up at the Feast of Tabernacles, which is celebrating the Exodus, and all that it took to be free, from Egypt. So for a week, people would build temporary shelters in their yard, probably not yard, probably on the top of their house, and they would spend the week living in difficulty to recall what it had to be. To I mean, and, and so kind of like us, we sing about a way in a manger, but you know, we really haven't been in that condition, but we might have a living nativity scene, or this was kind of their living exodus scene. And in the midst of it, there were some special candelabra that would be lit. And do you know what the lights signified? The flaming candles on the candelabra at the Feast of Tabernacles signified the God who shows up. Emmanuel, God with us, who would show up as a pillar of fire amidst the darkness. Of course in John chapter one, John describes that this light shows up and darkness chooses to ignore it. Such a commitment to darkness that you could ignore that there is even light happening. If we were to turn out all the lights, if it was a pitch black night, if we had this brother stand up right in front of us, we were all here, we knew about it, but now all the lights go out, and I say, I'm gonna do something, you tell me what it is that changed, and I take one of those incredibly annoying flashlights and go, beep, right in your face, and for that individual to say, got nothing, I didn't see anything change. The light could show up And we have such a commitment to darkness that we wouldn't even notice the difference. Jesus, amidst the Feast of Tabernacles, these special glowing lights that would say that God will show up as a pillar of fire in your darkness. And Jesus says these words. When Jesus spoke, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. How many of you walked in darkness to your detriment? Some of our favorite furniture in our house is a set of bedroom furniture that my parents gave us. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's called Brasilia. The, the, I don't know whether that's a style or what the deal is, but that's what my wife calls it, so I'm going with it. I'm just gonna say there are some sharp corners, edges, on this furniture and if you're walking around in darkness and you happen to hit that with your shin, you will never forget the name Brasilia. (laughs) And hopefully that's all you will say in the moment. (laughs) To walk in darkness, anybody been walking through a part of your home in the semi-darkness and hear what it sounds to you must be a living creature, skitter? If that happens in my home, and I'm anywhere in the house, and my wife is the one who observes the skittering, I will hear her like she's right beside me. (laughs) There's a difference between walking in the light and walking in darkness. I'm gonna say to you, you are created for light. Do you know natural light, what it does for us, it gives us vitamin D, it reduces your blood pressure, it improves productivity and focus, reduces depression, stress, and anxiety, boosts the immune system, benefits your vision, makes you happier, and gives you more energy. Turns out you are meant for the light. This God who says, let there be light, and the light is good. The God who says, I come to the earth, babe in a manger, the word become flesh, who is life itself, and that life is the light of mankind, but some would choose darkness rather than light. And a little conversation, just, just a mere few words after that that section of scripture that ends up at football games, John 3, 16, we would notice a conversation about light in the 19th verse, this is the verdict Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. And everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. You are called, What is part of what is written in the the heart of mankind, eternity itself, you are called to light. And so, I know, I know what you're wondering. Uh, I realize John wrote Revelation, but what does this have to do with Revelation? If you don't mind looking in Revelation chapter 21, the tail end of this book, this wish list come true. You will notice these words. Firstly, we'll dip into what we already read. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. But then another 20 verses later, notice this. You know, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. We no longer need symbols of the presence of God. Emmanuel has shown up. The Rescuer is here. It is not about singing carols to someone we cannot see. We don't need anything in between. And check this out. The city doesn't even need the sun or the moon to shine on those individuals who are built to live in light. Why? Because the light of the world, God, gives it light. The lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut for there will be no night there. Of course we know this book is a stitching together of concepts from the Old Testament into the New, that this is a symbolic book. But ask yourself, in this wish list of our lives, what is it that's being poked at here? What is it that John is saying, oh, if you knew the Rescuer, if you were just to open up and read the Book of Rev, my letter to you, you would know this God has everything your heart's desire. For you would never again fear the darkness every one of us has felt, the darkness of failure, of habit hard to overcome, the flush of blood that rushes in embarrassment when you realize you said something hurtful. The sense of shame and worry that somebody out there will actually get a look at the real me. The question, will this trip home be the last one? No, no, all you were wired up to have in your life comes true in the rescue. So I call you to wish. I've told it before, some might have heard it, I love summer camp and in particular a specific week as I think back 38 years ago. I know, you're looking at me, you're going, you're not even 38 yourself, are you, sir? (laughs) Blind camp. Laurel Lake Camp. I had four campers and one of them was little Jeff. I could go on and on and on about the other three, but I just want to say something about little Jeff. Little nine-year-old Jeff was incredibly, I mean bright, talented, smart, friendly. If you were ever introduced to Jeff by name, he would know your name from then to the end. Sometimes he would greet you completely blind. He would greet you as you walked up to him without you having even opened your mouth yet. I don't know what he was doing there. Was it the he had like a calculation of how your weight landed on the grass? Could he smell you? I don't know, I don't know constantly quipping little kinds of jokes, often that were corny, but sometimes just plain brilliant. One day, standing outside the cafeteria, waiting our turn in line and leaning against a tree, as he was kind of just petting the bark of the tree, he turned to me where I necessarily was with his eyes that could not see anything and said, Dave, I feel sorry for you sighted people. (laughs) Here we go. Why is that, Jeff? He says, well, because you have two eyes. That's true. You can see with your two eyes, but I've got four eyes. Now, Jeff did not have glasses. What would be the reason? He said, I can see with my hands. And I can see with my ears. And you sighted people can't do that. Nine-year-old Jeff told me one day as I sat reading to him, you know, I think God knew it would be okay if I were blind. Because I'd get to talk to people and in a way I otherwise never would be able to. Nine years old, decided for the talent show which I was in charge of he was going to memorize the books of the Bible, Tony. I said to him, so you've got this pretty, much you have already the Old Testament? How are you doing on this? He said, no, 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 this is just something I've always wanted to do. I just need somebody to read them in order to me. I said, are you gonna sing a a song or are you gonna, because I gotta go. I left, his part comes in the talent show. He steps up, tips his head back. Young man of Native American descent with black hair flowing and he began Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, and he went that speed through 66 books of the Bible while my heart panicked. Brilliant little guy, one day, he was timid though, Couldn't get him to do some of the adventurous stuff other campers would be willing to do. We were trying to coax him into going down the slide into the pool. You know what, uh, you can can hear Corey there. He's just talking to you. He'll just keep talking to you from the water. He'll catch you right there. I'll walk up the ladder. You wanna go down together? No, 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 no. I'll do it myself, I'll do it myself. Kind of like a person who's been sentenced to execution. He came up the ladder. At the top of the ladder. One, two, three. We went, went. We went through one, two, three. A few. It was in the twenties. And finally, he slid down into the water, dipped below the water as Corey raised him back up. Oh, that was great, Jeff. That was awesome. You want to do it again? No. Nope, nope. Did it. And up onto the side of the pool, and it was in that moment, his hair parted in, away from a very ugly scarred right side of his head. And we were all wondering. Corey, the youngest of us, had taken to heart some of the training where it was told to us, you know what, if you have questions, ask. And by the way, you don't need to talk louder to blind people. (laughs) And they know they're blind. So ask your questions, often they can sense it anyway and Corey just blurted it out. Hey Jeff, what happened to your head? (laughs) Spellbound, all of the staff gathered on the deck of that pool to hear little Jeff tell that he could remember being able to see. He was born to parents who are not what you and I would hope for, for Jeff. And one night, in a drunken fury, both parents lashing out at one another and a three-year-old little boy walks between them. And they beat him blind. Changes how I heard the language when he said, I think God knew I'd be okay blind. One day, as we're closing up, all the buttoning down, everything up, as we're going to bed and everybody's got their stuff we gotta get done and little Jeff is in his bunk. He was always the organized one among the four and I turn the lights off and I hear his little voice, Dave, Dave, Dave. Yeah, Jeff. And back the lights go on for my benefit and I, Jeff, what do you, what do you need? He said, Dave, I was just wondering, tonight, it could just be tonight, can we sleep with the lights on? And I said, uh, you know, I'm thinking, here we go. Another one of these corny jokes. Well, Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong here, but you can't see anything. And he said, Dave, Dave, I can feel when the lights are on. And it always feels better when the lights are on. It always feels better when the lights are on. And there will come a day where the light of mankind lives. Boldly with us, so brightly with us that if the sun is there or not, I don't know, but you nor I would even need it to thrive in all those ways we talk because our wish list would come true. And so I invite you to bow with me, Lord God. God of light and love and safety and every good gift, would you bless us with your presence today? Keep writing on our hearts, but thank you for writing that initial bit in the DNA of who we are, that we want light, that we want the good things of life, that we want security and safety and honor, that we want friends that care about us and that we want to matter in our lives, Lord God, thank you for the book of Revelation and your rescue of us, your commitment, your words that tell us a Christmas morning is coming where everything our hearts have longed for would be true. So for that one who is here and is not walking with you, but feels, in this moment, feels a pull to the light, we praise you. And we act on that impulse. In Jesus we pray. Amen.